need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so uh, if you feel that way, now is the time. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, we're going to have a little bit of fun today. Uh, I do want to let you know quickly uh, that we actually have a couple of birthdays. Brandy, it's your birthday today. And I know I'm not supposed to say, but you're, what, 33 years old. That's just awesome. We're so glad that you're having a birthday. Um, and then Sandra, who's one of our best volunteers, who's trying to hide, uh, she is not 33 today. <laughs> I mean, like, way not 33, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to say it, right? <laughs> okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, if, if you would like us to humiliate your loved ones, it costs you only $5. Um, so see me before the service. It'd be great. Uh, uh, $5. You got $5 for your birthday, too? Uh, you're really not. No, just okay. Yeah, we'll stop right there. Um, okay, so, so today we're going to have fun. If you're visiting today or this is your first time to come, you, you're, you're going to immediately kind of go, oh, no, this is what we're doing. Uh, today we are talking about giving, but we do this once. I, I do this once a year. And uh, we're not one of these churches, and hopefully as we talk about this today, we're coming right off of a new, a new initiative called Shift 22 uh, that we're, we're going to be building some things in the next few years um, and kind of stepping into our future as a church. And one of the things you have to do when you do this is to talk about giving and teach our people what that really means. This is not one of those advertising, you know, tele, uh, you know um, infomercials where I'm going to try to guilt you into something. We always talk about this in a healthy way, um, and hopefully you'll see that. We're going to talk about it for the next three weeks, um, but hopefully it, it, you will understand that it is a part of, of our discipleship journey as well. Now you say, well, why, why do we talk about giving? Like, why, why do churches always seem to be talking about money? Uh, this church does not always talk about money. Well, one of the reasons why we talk about giving is because Jesus talks about it a whole lot. He talks about it time and time again. It's tied to many ancient practices and some words that you've probably heard in your life, um, and we're going to flesh those out a little bit as well. It also is one of the greatest things that believers and disciples step into with obedience. If we talk about becoming um, greater disciples of Jesus, this is one of those things that you can't sort of extract or amputate from the process of discipleship. It's kind of like when two people are dating. You can date for as long as you like, and it's very fun, but when you get to that point where you want to make a commitment, you got to go out and spend some money. you got to go buy a ring. you got to go and have a wedding. you got to go do all these things that show the level of covenant. And those things are not just because we want to show people how much money we have. Those are, are to circle us with this sacred idea that what is happening is a big deal. And that is the way we talk about giving at this church. I want to be very clear when I start. Giving is not about money. It is about the heart. Okay? I do not need your money. I do not know what people give at this church. So I'm not looking at you and saying, well, you know, I know them. This is where they're at. Because giving is not about that. And I want to tell you this. Giving is not about that for God either. Because what you're going to see here in a minute is that God already owns everything. He doesn't need our money because it's already his. But hearts are not already his. He gives those to us and says, you do with this what you please. And one of the greatest things we can do, we watched a video about it a second ago, when we give our hearts to, the God, uh, to God, it is a gift to him. And it is probably the only thing in the universe that he does not own. And it's the only thing that he really wants. 
So I want us to be clear that when we talk about giving, this is not about money. And I think if you ever go to a church that says this is about money and you're going to be treated based on how you give, they've got it wrong. This starts in here. It has nothing to do with your, your debit card or your Venmo account. It has nothing to do with that because the motivation of why we do this really matters. Now, uh, many of you at the end of those aisles, there's fill-in-the-blank forms today. So all the nerds out there today, right, I never do the fill-in-the-blank, but I'm going to today. Um, and th- the one thing is you're going to love the service because you're going to get to write down little things and you're going to try to guess before I get there and it's going to be very exciting for you and then you're going to be disappointed because we're only going to fill out about half of this this week. You're going to have to bring it back next week for the other half. So while I'm trying to placate to you, I'm also going to frustrate you in the midst of this as well. Um, one of the things that I've taught about for many years and I want to give credit where credit is due uh, one of the books that I've, that I've used, it's a simple little book, it's called The Treasure Principle, ri- written by Randy Alcorn, who wrote many other works as well, Christian works, great writer. This book takes about 20 minutes to read. It's a tiny little book, but the principles that I'm going to use today come out word for word from this book. If there's something that I've done at this church for about, uh, this will be the eighth time that I've actually preached out of this book. It's one you can buy on Amazon if you want to. It's really, uh, really a great read. And it sort of explains in very non-aggressive ways why giving is so important. And so on page one today, you can start to fill in the blank. The six keys to unlocking the secret of joyful giving. Okay, uh, so here we go. We're going to go through these. We're going to read a few scriptures, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of bring it, bring it down um, and apply this during the week. And I really want you to take these home. I know there's some verses on the back page. Go and read those ahead of time. Go and see... Uh, see what the calling of scripture ultimately is okay number one is really easy god owns everything i'm simply his money manager one of the greatest changes in our hearts and in our heads and in our minds is when we get away from the mentality that things are ours guess what one of the first words that any toddler learns that annoys everyone else what is it what's the word Mine, no. Dada, did you say that annoys you? <laughs> well, I've met your kids. You've got some work to do, let me tell you. Um, yeah. One of the first words people, mine, 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 especially if they have siblings, right? Everything's mine. And it's kind of funny because we don't seem to grow out of that as we get older, right? If we start understanding that whatever we have is not actually ours, it's actually God's, and it's on loan, including this body, we manage it differently. When, when we live our lives with closed fists, I've got to hold on to this. I've got to, it's mine. I've got to have it. You, you, you'll never go anywhere with that. But if you, if you realize it's all God's and we, we just manage it for a short amount of time, it really changes the way that we see the world. Uh, Psalm chapter 50 is a great moment where, where God is kind of revealing things to, uh, you know, to David, to, to Israel. And he says this in Psalm chapter 50, beginning in verse 7. It says, listen, my people, and I will speak. Don't you love that? God says, when you guys are quiet enough, I'll speak. Maybe the reason why God doesn't speak to us is we're always making noise. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning sacrifices, meaning you're doing that well. Or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me, you're doing that fine. I have no need 
of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pen. For every animal of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills, those, those are mine too. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. God is emphatically saying, listen, I don't need anything from you. I think sometimes we portray this. God's just waiting to do something great, and you just need to step up into it. Let me tell you, God has already done something great. He sent his son and gave his life, and we are saved because of it. God's already done the work. Okay, God's not, God's not waiting to do something amazing in the world. Well, he's not waiting on us. Now, can God use us? Can God do mighty things when we submit? Absolutely. But the big work has already been done. Okay, number two, my heart always goes where I put God's money. So we're changing the pronouns already. Instead of my money, we're saying God's money. Now, a lot of people, when they read this, they say, actually, that's backwards, right? No, no, no. Where my heart goes, that's where my money goes. That's what we, that's what we tell people. What, I, what I'm passionate about is what I tend to invest in. The funny thing is what we've learned is it's actually quite the opposite. Whatever we invest in, we seem to convince ourselves that that's where our heart needs to be. I'm going to give you a couple of bad examples, and I know they're bad examples, but they make the point quite well. Uh, whenever we do a financial course, we'll do a Dave Ramsey or some other courses, and we'll offer this to people. One of the things that people will realize is that we li usually live way beyond our means, and we, we get ourselves in financial trouble because we live beyond our means. It's, a, it's something that we've got to teach people how to do, and we don't quite know how to do it. But we'll talk about it, and people will say, hey, maybe you need to downsize your vehicle. And they'll say, well, I'm upside down on my car, right? Some of you have had this conversation. I'm $10,000 upside down on my $40,000 car, which means I owe $50,000 on a $40,000 car. And you tell people, you need to go and get rid of that car, and you need to go and buy a $5,000 car. Do that. And they go, well, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be paying the same amount. I might as well keep the good car. You see what happened there? Their money's invested. It's ultimately what they want, so they're going to justify why that's okay. And then you've got to stop and look at them and say, listen, $15,000 of debt versus $50,000 of debt is a difference, and you need to be realistic about where you're at. But we don't want to do that. I, I've done this in, in premarital counseling and marital counseling. Premarital counseling, people get together. They, I make them have financial conversations. They hate me for it, right? So those of you, uh, I make them do a budget, and they just loathe me. Many other reasons, but that's one of them. I'll tell you what. They do not like it. And I'll sit down, and I'll say, guys, I don't think you're ready. And it's not just because of money. I don't think you're ready. And this is the response. I've already bought the dress. We've already done a deposit on the location. So you would rather lose half your stuff than a few thousand dollars. You'd rather make a, continue to make a bad decision rather than stop and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to lose something, and it might be a little embarrassing, but this is the right decision. I see the same on the other side when people have been married for a time. Their marriage is clearly over. And I'll say to them, it sounds like you guys need to just, you know, kind of go your separate ways and be amicable. And they go, no, we're going to lose a lot of stuff. I'm not going to be able to live in my house anymore. I'm not going to. So, so let's try to make this work. They didn't come in saying, I love you and I want to make this work. They were like, well, I'm going to lose too much, so let's at least try to make this work. That's how we work as people. When we invest in something, we follow that. As much as we would like to believe 
believe we only invest in what we're passionate about. That's not true. Wherever we put our money, that's where our hearts tend to go. This is what the Bible says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust or vermin, I know there's some words in there, destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of those things can be touched. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. It's not the other way around. Wherever we invest is where we tend to go. Number three is this. Heaven, not earth, is our home. We confuse this one a lot. Because we believe, or we think we believe, that here and now, what we have, our little empires that we build, are real. God, I mean, all the songs we talk about are being with God forever, about being in his kingdom, about being present. He wants to remind us, listen, you're only here for a short time. Even this life is on loan. You belong somewhere else. The house that you go home to today is not your house. Your house is waiting for you. Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place, and then when I'm, re- I'm going to come get you, and you're going to come home. We've got to start thinking about our lives, not about the amount of things that we accumulate here, but that ultimately heaven is our home. This is why there's many writers in the New Testament that say, dear friends, I urge you to live as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires that wage against your soul. First Peter, this is where, where Peter's telling people, remember, the world's not your home. You need to be a foreigner while you live here because heaven is ultimately where God is calling you. Here's a good one, number four. I should live not for the dot, but for the line. If you look at any tombstone, it'll put two dates on the tombstone. What's the first date? When you're born, the last date, when you die. There's a little dash in between those two things. That little dash represents your whole life. That's what we live for. We don't live for the beginning. We don't live for the We live for that middle part. We live for the line. That's the only amount of difference that we can make in this world, and we've got to keep that in the front forefront of our mind. Where we started doesn't really matter. Where we end doesn't really matter. What we do with the dash matters. Number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism and greed. I tell people this all the time. If you are obsessed with money, if you are constantly engaged in the bigger, better deal, the only way to get rid of that temptation is not to have it there in the first place. If you want to get over greed, if you want to get over this materialistic life, give it away because the enemy has no hold of it if it's not yours. It wasn't yours to begin with. But give it away. Keep distance from that. Everything, when you turn on the TV, everything is about accumulating more. And people are just happier than ever, aren't they? I mean, more marriages are thriving, aren't they? Our kids are just doing amazing things, aren't they? We've given our children everything, and it's made them better, hasn't it? No, they're still terrorists, aren't they? <laughs> but if we give it away, if we teach our kids, I've told people before, I say, when we talk about this maybe in later weeks, I've seen families that have come together and have said, hey, our commitment is going to be to God first, and that means we're only going to get to go to one activity each this next semester. Instead of doing five that we've been in debt for, we're going to reprioritize our lives, and we're going to put God where he, he belongs, 
and we're going to allow everything else. And that means you're going to have to sacrifice something for that. I've watched families do that at trial. This is where um, the Bible is still, <laughs> it's still helpful, isn't it? It says, he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. This is Jesus speaking. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And we have hook, line, and sinker. We, we bought that lie. Jesus says, you've got to get rid of that. You've got to be away from that. The last one, number six. God raises, God prospers me, sorry, not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. The Bible time and time and time again. Jesus says this as well. God has given us more, not so that we can have more, but that we can give more. And it's amazing because the more that we give, the more that we seem to have. God keeps raising our standard of living. He keeps, he keeps raising how much we have so that we're able to give more. The Bible says whoever has will be given more. And they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. There is this, this cosmic battle that each one of us is fighting when it comes to our checkbook and it comes to our money. Now, on the top of page two, you'll see this, and this is about as far as we'll go today. What is the, the key to a healthy financial plan? You might know this. It's real simple arithmetic. It's something that people have done all the time. When we talk about this in coming weeks, and like I said, I will flesh this out more fully next week as well. 10%, this is what you give. The Bible talks about it time and time again. 10%, this is what you should give. Line two, 10%, that's what you should save. Right, for retirement, for college, for all the rest of it. And obviously if you guys can do simple math, 80%, that's what you should spend in the kingdom. Now, if you can get that 80% down to 70% or 60% or even 50%, that would be amazing. If you could raise those first two numbers, uh, this is a starting point for a, financial, a healthy financial plan. If you're, if you're one of those people that says, we really need to get on a budget, start with this. It's super easy. You give 10, you save 10, you live on 80. Which lends us to the question, are we living within our means? Can I do this without having to sell the car? Or can I not? Am I, am I over leveraged in my life? I find a lot of people are living beyond their means. As I said when I started, giving is not about guilt or obligation or excuses. It is about the heart. That's where everything starts when it comes to giving, especially when it comes to giving to the Lord. I, I, I've heard people sometimes uh, that are living beyond their means and, they, and that they're just scraping by every month. And, and I understand that that is a very real problem. Uh, and all of us, I would say most of us in this room, have gone through that at one time or another. I've heard people say things like this. Well, when I have more, then I'll give. And if I won the lottery, I would give. If I won $100 million, I'd be writing a fat check to the church. No, you won't. Because if you don't give when you have nothing, you'll never give when you have a lot. Well, I'll give when I have. There will never be a time when you will have enough that you will feel okay about giving. What you're saying is, I'll give when it doesn't hurt me at all. And if that's the attitude, you will never be a great giver. Because you can't be. Because giving is sacrificial. It means you have to say no to certain things so that you can say yes to other things. 
what I tell people a lot, and this might sound a little on the, on the toes for some of you, sometimes the problem is this, you don't have because you don't give. God is never going to trust you with more if what he's given you, you bury in the ground. He's never going to say, I want to prosper that person, but they have no priorities towards me. You know, people that are broke are always broke. They think the next thing's going to turn it around, and it won't. Because they have selfish hearts. And giving all starts with an unselfish heart. Giving is about trusting God. It's about saying, okay, God, you win. It's yours. I'm going to manage it. I'm going to do the best that I can. Giving is, ab- is not about money. It's about prioritizing. It's about saying, God, you're first. If your marriage is in crisis, I'll give you the best advice you ever need. Seek God individually and together. It'll change your marriage. Don't worry about communication and rules about the toilet seat. Those will come. Put God first. And one of the greatest ways with marriages in crisis is I say, start giving to God first. Give God 10% off the top from the start together as a couple. You know why? Because it's about sacrifice. And most people that are in bad marriages, they know one word, and it's the same word that the toddlers know. Mine. Gee, I wonder why your marriage isn't working. Well, because that's what we all fall into. We become selfish. That's the, not, that's the only reason marriages end. People are selfish. They want something for them over something for both of them, or they don't think about the other person in high regard. Prioritizing God, putting God where he needs to be in our lives, will will change your marriage, will change your relationships. This is why Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What Jesus is saying is, you have to make a choice between him and you. And if you choose you, that's fine. You're allowed to. But you'll see what happens in life. Put God first. It will change everything that you do. Now, I'm going to transition a little bit here. We're almost done, I promise. I want to tell you a little, a little secret. And I, and I mean this, and I'm, I'm going to say some truths that we all need to hear. Do you know that if everybody at this church tithed, we would never have to talk about money. Did you know that? If everybody was in that realm, and I know not everybody's in the same place spiritually, and don't, don't want you to hear this to say, oh, I'm a terrible person. But, but the only reason why we talk about money is because it's something, it's a discipline that people don't step into. And it's hard. That's why we have to talk about it. Just take it a step further. Do you know that if everybody at this church did what they were supposed to do for church, that none of our staff would have jobs? I mean, why would you need me? If everybody was doing what they were supposed to do, but they found out very quickly, even in the early church, that didn't work. And so they talked about, hey, it's okay to pay people to help help do this. But wouldn't it be amazing if more people stood up and more people said yes to God, more people put God as their priority. I mean, wouldn't it be a great blessing if you didn't have to pay me to do it? I mean, I can get an amen on that one, I'm sure, right? But this is why we talk about it. Because these are, because we're human and we struggle and we don't quite step into it. So this is something that I'm going to do, and I do this every time, and people always think I'm joking, and I'm absolutely
some people say, well, I'm, I'm struggling to step into this idea of giving and tithing and other things. At Journey Church, for eight years, we have done this. We give you a 90-day, risk-free, 100% return policy. And I'm being very serious about this. This is not a joke. If you commit to this as a family and you tithe for 90 days and you don't watch God transform your faith and your relationships and your home, I promise you we will write you a check for every penny that you have given. Every year, some people are on the fence. They, they want to do it, but they never have, and they've never been called out to do it. But I'll tell you something that's, that's just amazing about it. I have such confidence in this. I've preached a similar version of this sermon for the last 15 years, and I've always said this. 15 years of people committing their lives in priority to God first. Guess how many people have come to me after 90 days and said, God did nothing. Zero. Because that's not my promise. That's his promise. And I'm not talking about some prosperity that you give us 100 bucks and God's going to give you 10,000. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about God is faithful. God talks about when you prioritize me and step into that circle, I will do things that you never knew possible. Now, I know some of you uh, got these little booklets, and, and you saw them here, these little SIF 22 booklets that are very nicely printed. And if you look on the back of these SIF 22 booklets, you'll see we have this thing called the giving circles. We're going to talk through this a little bit here. And some of the numbers on there are a little scary. And some of you have these little pledge cards. Maybe you took this. Some at the welcome booth. You're not required to fill one out. You're not required to hand one in. We're just making these available because sometimes when you write something down, it kind of changes our hearts. Simple things. You're not writing this for me. I'm not going to see this. But it says, I commit to give faithfully to the church. What we mean by that is I commit to tithe to this church. Now, some of you might go, I, I need to have some conversations. I'm not sure that I can do that. The bottom part about SIF 22 is what we would call uh, an offering. And next week, I'm going to talk about the difference between tithes and offerings. And there is a difference in the Bible, and it's a beautiful story. But as we talk through giving, I want you to be reminded, this is not about money. Because the money is already God's. This is about God desiring to possess the one thing that he does not yet have for all of us. That's our hearts. It's amazing. When you prioritize God in your life, you worry way less. God is faithful in what he does. I also think it's important for you to know that one of the conversations we have with anybody that joins our leadership team is do they tithe faithfully? Not because we want the richest people. It has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the heart. We would never allow somebody to help lead this church 
if they were not faithful disciples. So this is an opportunity. It's a bit of a gauntlet for some of us. We can go home and go, well, I just don't believe in that. I'm not going to do that. That's okay. Maybe just pray that God will work in your heart and reveal it to you because I promise you, he's revealed it to me. We've seen it. Every year, Haley and I give more than we gave the year before. And every year, we have more than we had the year before. And I don't quite know how that works. God does amazing things when you put him first. And he is faithful. This is about us today. So, Father, today as we talk about these, these difficult topics for us, these topics that our hearts want to resist, God, we just pray that today, in this moment, that you would begin to change us. We know that the problem in our lives is not that you have not given it to us or that you are not willing to give it to us. It's always us. That we don't want to stand before you. We don't want to step towards you. We want to stay in lives that we think we should. Father, today I just pray that your spirit would work in all of us, that we wouldn't hear this as a sermon about money, but that we would hear it as a father's calling to a child's heart. And may we be willing to give our hearts to you. God, may we also realize that when we give our hearts to you, money just becomes irrelevant because you have what you most desire and we receive what we most need. Father, as we continue on this journey, we just pray that you would walk with us, that you would allow our hearts to be open, that we would not harden our lives, that we would not listen to the lies of the enemy, but that we would put you where you deserve to be, which is first and center of all Father, when we look at the sacrifice of Jesus, you're giving everything so that we might have life. Sometimes we realize that our hearts are arguing with us alone. Bless us today as we continue to worship, as we talk about what it means to bless you and bless your name. May you be with us. We pray this all through Jesus. And the church together says,